Bibles, I want you to get those out. I hope you do. Bring your Bibles or your smartphones, however you get to the Word, and I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. As most of you know, I wasn't, we're doing harvest time this month, where each Sunday we have a, instead of doing a revival kind of meetings, you know, we, we just decided we're going to do October every year. We've been doing this for several years now, and each Sunday we have a different person bring the message. And so... I was supposed to bring the message on October the 30th. Dusty was going to be today, but Dusty started not feeling good at the beginning of this week. He's feeling better today, amen? He's walking out of here healed today. He came up and praying for healing today, um, but we were switching Sundays, and so he's going to go October the 30th, so that's why I'm up here today, and I'm, I'm burning to bring you this message this morning uh, that's in me. And so uh, if you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 54, there's 17 verses that we're going to read here in just a second. Um, I was trying to think if there's anything else I need to announce before I get into this today because I'm just feeling the fire of God this morning. Is anybody feeling the fire this morning? I am. I told our praise team, be expecting because I'm feeling the prophetic fire of God in the house today. Okay, I want everyone to bow your heads and I'm going to pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word never returns void. God, I love how you speak through your word. That, Lord, I can say something through your word, but the Holy Spirit can speak many different things to different people in this house today, and even those online. And so, Holy Spirit, you be the teacher today. I pray none of me and all of you, Holy Spirit, you be the preacher. Um, bring the word to every person that's here today. Lord, I'm believing what I'm believing as a result of this message today, that people are not only going to have their roar restored, but they're going to learn how to keep their roar. And so, God, no matter what they go through in life, they're going to learn how to keep it. And so, God, we just thank you and praise you for this word today. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. We open our hearts and minds to receive everything that you have for us, Lord. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Turn to Isaiah chapter 54. The title of this message, of course, is Restore the Roar. That's the whole theme of harvest time this year. By the way, next Sunday, Pastor Scott Page, Cameron's dad, will be here with us. Um, and then the next Sunday will be um, uh, Pastor Terry Payne from Lifeway Church in Kingfisher, Oklahoma. And I promise you, you don't want to miss either one of those guys. And uh, looking forward to having them here. They're, I know both those guys are on a men's retreat right now, getting fired up. So they've been on a men's retreat in Falls Creek. And so I can't wait to, for them to come back and share with us what God has put on their heart for not only the body of Christ, but for our church as well. And so... This message, when I'm, I'm going to start this off with something that's for the big C. And when I say the big C, I mean the church at large, the body of Christ. This is what I believe, what the Holy Spirit has shown me, what God is doing right now in the body of Christ. And so if you're, if you're here today, you're part of the body. Amen? Look at somebody and say, you're part of the body of Christ. Okay. This is what's going on, I believe. What the Spirit of God is saying to us is this. Sometimes we have to witness the destruction, and I want you to think about this, and I want you to think about stories in the Bible, okay? Don't just believe anything I say, hook, line, and sinker, all right? So this lines up with the Word of God. I've seen this in the Word of God from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Sometimes we have to witness the destruction that doubt, unbelief, fear, and sin bring before we develop the boldness to be obedient. That is what's going on in the body of Christ right now. And so there's a roar that God's trying to restore of men and women of God standing up and starting to get obedient to 
what the Word really says. Not, not what's politically correct, not what somebody else believes, but what the Word actually says. And then we're learning how to stand up in truth and what Mark preached on in love. Truth and love. There's a way to do it and be firm and still walk in love. And not change your mind about what you believe. And not, and not, and not go with cancel culture and culture and everything that's going on right now. You're hearing this word that the enemy's using called woke. That's, not a, that's, that's a biblical word for us to wake up. For the church to wake up. The church needs to get woke. Look at somebody say, you need to get woke. All right. The sound of devastation leads to desperation. Desperation leads to the restoration of the roar. And that's what's going on right now. And so it's time to restore your roar. I never would have believed in my, in, in my days on this earth that I would have to stand up in a pulpit and roar that you're either male or female. There's nothing else. God didn't create anything else. I heard a story the other day that another pastor was sharing about a woman was identifying as a cat. And people were accepting that. that and, you know, when I grew up, people said, that's freaking crazy. They're crazy. They need to go get help. They need to go get psychological help. Today we're living in a day where people are accepting that. Oh, let's go pet them. Okay, she's a kitty cat. Let's go pet them. Guys, it's time to restore our roar in the church. All right? Amen. All right, the, restore, the restoration of the roar is when his spirit arises once again from the depths of our bellies where the roar has been caged under lock and key by low expectations wounded spirits, and lack of hunger and thirst for God. That's the truth. And we've got we've to unleash the beast. We've got to unleash this roar out of us. And we've got we to gotta start expecting more. We've got to start believing more. We've got to get over wounded spirits. We've got to get over offenses. My gosh, we've got to walk in forgiveness and love, what Mark taught on. I got convicted last Sunday. Because God showed something to me in my heart where I wasn't walking in love and forgiveness. And I thought, dear God, am I, and am I over that yet? You know? And he said, no, you're not. Because I just showed you you're not over it yet. So you're not walking in the fullness of God. So get over it. And so, um, you know, some of us just need to get over it. Somebody just needs to get in your face and just say, get over it. You know, drop the offense and get over it. Because what's happening, I'm going to share, share this a little bit later in my message, is what happens when you nurse that hurt, it becomes, you nurse it, you rehearse it, um, instead of reversing it, and what it ends up being, it becomes your identity. There was something that came up in my spirit last Sunday that I have been battling for years, for years. And I've shared it with Jada, and Jada, she counsels me, and she's, my, she's like, my God, Mark, when are you going to get over it? My God, Mark, when are you going to get over it? My God, Mark, when are you going to get over it? And I had to realize last Sunday, this, that ha- even though it doesn't come up every day, but it is part of who I, it's become part of my identity because I nurse it and rehearse it instead of reversing it. And we've got to stop doing that, guys. We've got to get over that, this wounded spirit stuff and the offenses and then start hungering and thirsting for God. This is what the Lord is saying. The Lord says, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge They have lost their will to fight. Fear, exhaustion, and culture have taken the roar away. The Bible says in the last days, one of the things that the enemy was going to do to the saints is he's just going to wear us down until we're just tired and exhausted, and it takes the fight right out of us. 
all right? We've got to get the fight back. They must awaken and realize they must be voices of truth that carry freedom in their hearts and fire in their spirits. Restore the roar. Tell my lines to roar once again. That's what God is saying today. We have got to start roaring. Look at somebody and say, roar. <laughs> roar. All right, Proverbs 28, verse 1 out of the Message Bible says this. The wicked are edgy with guilt, ready to run off even when no one's after them. And then it says honest, which means in other translations say godly, Christian people are relaxed and confident, but we're bold as lions because we know who's on the throne. Now, here's the deal. God chose from the foundations of the world before he ever created us, before he ever created this earth, this planet, and all the things that are in it. He chose to work through man. And so a lot of times what I feel like what's happened in the body of Christ is we have set back, and I know I have been guilty of this, and we're just like, well, God, if you do, you do, and if you don't, you don't. You're sovereign and in control. And God's saying, no, Mark, I need you to get engaged and get in the fight so I can work through you. And use your voice for righteousness and truth. And so every one of you, even though I'm, I'm a pastor, every one of you in here have a circle of influence. You have a pulpit. It may not look like this, but you have a pulpit. It could be a, a baseball team. It could be sports. It could be teaching a class. Uh, whatever your career is in the oil field, whatever, farm and ranching, you've got people around you that need to hear the word of God, that need to hear the truth. And so when you hear it, just, just be praying, God, give me wisdom when I need to speak, when I don't need to speak, when I, when I need to just be in my closet and pray, but when I need to come out, in my, out of my closet and proclaim. God's saying we need to start proclaiming things. He needs us to not only hear what he's saying, but then go proclaim it from the housetops, from the rooftops, and let people know about it. And everybody said... Amen. And we need to be relaxed and confident in it and bold as lions. And Amos 3.8 says this, The lion has roared, who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? And so it's time to awaken your prophetic voice. You may not be a prophet, but every one of you in here can prophesy. Every one of you in here have a prophetic voice if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And he wants you to start speaking over your circumstances and situations you're in, over your marriage, over your families, over your relationships, over your job and over your career, and start calling those things that are not as though they were. He wants you to roar over those situations and not just sit back and go, well, God, if you do, you do, and if you don't, you don't. You know, That ain't going to get anybody healed. That ain't going to get anybody set free. That's not going to do anything for you. You have got to get engaged with your mouth. God chose from the very beginning for us to speak. The, what separates us from the animal kingdom is we're, we're not animals. We're not monkeys, amen? We're created in the image of God, and he created us to be speaking spirits. You're a spiritual being having a human experience, okay? That's what you are. And God needs you to line up with his voice and begin to speak it in the earth. All right, I'm going to tell you my story this morning and, and where I came from with this message today, and we're going to get to Isaiah 54 here in just a second, is, um, and I, I had to, and it was, I was praying about this, and I was like, Lord, show me in, in my walk with you where you, you restored the roar, because I know that there's been several times in my life that I have felt like I lost it, right? You know, to the point where you almost feel like you're not even saved, that I've lost the roar so much. And, and so God took me back to a time, and this was even, 
I, I really thought when I was praying about this that he would take me back to the time when Jaden, our son, went home to be with the Lord. But even, he even took me back even before that. And he showed me this time. And now hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? And so when I look back, I'm like, that was a very, I didn't realize it at the time, but that was a very pivotal time or I wouldn't be standing right here before you today. And none of you'd be sitting here listening to this message today if I didn't make this choice back then. And this was back in the, in the early 90s, um, actually the late 90s. And, and I'm not going to get into all the nasty details, but what happened to me was I got caught up in a church split, okay? If you've ever been in a church split, that's from hell. That's not from God, all right? I got caught up in it. I'm going to tell you from this pulpit right here, because I don't want to get struck down by lightning, but I had a part to do with it, too. I had a part to play in it. I repented of that. God, that's all under the blood now. But I had a part to play in it. I wasn't the only one that had a part to play in it, but I'm going to own up to my part. So what ended up happening was I left this church. And then through a series of situations and circumstances, and even though I was emotional, I did pray about this. This wasn't based on an emotional decision, but God told me to leave this, this certain denomination that I had already started studying in to, uh, to become a pastor, to be in ministry. And I thought, I have to have that ordination, this ordination from this denomination so I can be a pastor, so I can pastor a church. Because I knew, at that time, I knew that God had called me to be a pastor, Okay, and called me into the ministry. And but so God used a series of events and told me, Mark, I he told me in prayer one day, Mark, I want you to go release your um what your this denominational tie that you have. I said, God, I can't do that. And he said, Why not? I said, Well, God, then I'm not gonna be able to preach or teach anywhere, and I, I gotta do this so I can, you know, go in the ministry and have a church one day. And, um, and God said, uh, and God's got a sense of humor because in this, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the denomination. It was assemblies of God. I have nothing. I'm not knocking denominations. Okay. There's good Christian people in all denominations, but it was assemblies of God. And, um, and God has a sense of humor because back when I was in the assemblies of God, they sent out a, a open church list. So it was a list where you knew where they were needing pastors at. And so Every day I'd get, or every week, or no, it was every month, I would get this little printout from the Assemblies of God, and they would say where open churches were at. Guess where the open church was at every time? was Leedy America. And I'm like, I ain't going, God. I ain't going. I ain't going. And so this was going on. That was behind the scenes. And so when I went to this denominational person that I had to go see that would have been my oversight and where the district that I was in, I went to it already here, here's a wounded spirit for you. I already went into it, already charged with everything I'd been through with leaving a church. Now I know that God's telling me to leave this denomination, even though I prayed about it, made sure it wasn't an emotional decision. I go and sit down with this man, and I, here's what, I already had it in my mind. He's going to beg me to stay. He's just going to beg me. Because there's no young men out there preaching the word of God right now. He's going to beg me to stay. So I go into his office, and I sit down with him, and I tell him what I feel like God's speaking to me. And he said, well, Mark, I just, that's... That's okay, and God bless you. I got ticked off. I got offended right then. He's not trying to keep me, you know. I'm like, God, what are you doing, you know? And so I just said, okay, and I thanked him and, and uh, left. And so I'm like, okay, I've left the church. Now I've left a denomination, 
And, and so what happened then, a spirit came in, the, the little enemy of your soul talking to me. And so what happened was I began to start doubting that I had really heard from God that I was even called into the ministry. And all of a sudden, as I kept rehearsing that and nursing that, and I even had some these men that were over me, oversight, telling me that I wasn't called in the ministry. They were even confirming what the enemy was already telling me. Sometimes the enemy can even use Christian people. I do not want to be a Christian people, a Christian people, a Christian person that can be used by the enemy with my voice. God, help me. Don't let me be that person. And so what happened was my roar was diminishing. And this guy that I was in that honeymoon phase with the Lord, I was on fire for God. I loved God. I just began to just creep back, creep back. And I just felt like I had no roar. And we had just had Jaden at this time. And Taya was three or four years old at this time. And I can't remember, I don't think Jada went with me to this service, but I remember, I think it was a Sunday night, if my memory serves me right, and I just told her, honey, I'm going to church tonight. Um, and, uh, and I went without, I'm pretty sure I was, it was without her when this happened. And I went, so I decided, you know what, I'm spirit-filled, I love God, and I need to worship. I just, I need to get in the presence of God, and I need to worship. And so the first church that I thought of was, there's a little black church down on the south side of Elk City, you need to go to it. So I said, that's where I'm going. So I go down there, and I'm telling you what, we had church. And these black people know how to praise God. If you, need, if you need, want to learn how to praise and worship God, go to a black church. Just do it. I give you permission to go even on a Sunday morning. Okay, go find you a black church and go. And I'm telling you what, we had church. And I saw this, this young man at that time was maybe five, six years old. Uh, his name was Darius, and he was playing the drums. And this kid could play the drums. It's Ezra Randall's son. He's a grown man now, a sharp-looking young man. I saw a picture of him on Facebook. And I said, Jay, look at Darius right here. And it recalled that, that time in that church service. He's five, six years old, and he's playing the drums, man. He's getting it. And he played for, I guarantee you they worship God for two hours, you know. And, I, and so I was there, and I got in the presence of God. I'm going to tell you, when I was there, I didn't feel like singing. And as I got there and I could feel the, the church floor in that church where they was at down south of the tracks, when they got to praising God, the floor started doing this. So you're, you, you, you're already doing this, you know, so you might as well get into it, you know. So I was out there going, you know, I was like, man, this floor is fixing to fall in. And, uh, and we were having church, and then all of a sudden I started praising God and, and letting go and letting go of the hurts and all the junk that was going on and, and uh, everything that I'd been experiencing and you know, the thoughts that we're having that I wasn't called, and I started realizing, you know, I am called. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like, God, but I trust you in that. And, uh, and just all this was going on during this one service, one experience and encounter with God. This was going on. And then a, a, a person got up and had a prophetic word, and this person pointed at me and said, this word is for you. Of course, I'm the only white person in the house, right? And so I stick out like a sore thumb, and I'm like, I will, I'm going to receive this word. And the word that they read over me was Isaiah chapter 54. So this is where this message comes from today. And so if you're there with me, I'm going to go ahead and read this whole chapter, but then we're going to come back, and I'm going to point out five verses that really uh, spoke to me during this time. And there was other things that this person said over me, but this was the main thing. And they got up and they began to prophesy. If you don't know what to prophesy, just pick up the Word of God and start speaking it over yourself. 
Everybody said? Amen. Okay. So she said, Isaiah chapter 54, she said, sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. And I remember when she said that, when this person said that to me, I'm like, I'm, I'm a man, right? I identify as a man, <laughs> right? Okay. That was a joke, by the way. All right. There's, yeah, thank you. And some of you are getting it now. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent, curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid, you will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is really speaking to me because at that point in my life and my walk with God, I thought I'd let God down. All right? To me, this is like the days of Noah when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. O afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted, I will build you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with sapphires, will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones. All your sons will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. In righteousness you will be established, tyranny will be far from you, and you will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed, it will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is, and it is I who have created the destroyer to work havoc. Verse 17, most of you have heard this scripture. No weapon formed against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication for me, declares the Lord. And I'm telling you what, that night that I heard that, this, this uh, black people can preach. That person was preaching that to me. They were speaking it right over me. And then he had Darius, the little five, six-year-old six drummer, beating the drum while this was going into me. And I received that word, even though at that time, I know when you read the word, that was a prophecy spoken over the children of Israel. But it's also a prophecy spoken over you individually if you receive it that way. That's, that's how I love how the, the Word of God speaks to us. And if you go back, and we're going to jump into just verses 1 through 5. I want to read all 17 to you. But I want to show you some things in verses 1 through 5 that I feel like God showed me to help us all to not only restore our roar, but to keep it. Okay? Not only to restore it, but to keep it. And the first thing is, in verse 1, it says, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, joy, you who never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of, of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Verse 2 says, Enlarge the place of your tent, 
Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will, you will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord God Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Now there's three things if you're taking notes there on the back of your bulletin I want to give you today that's going to show you not only how to restore your roar, but to keep it, all right? And here's number one. Number one is rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Everybody say always. always. Doesn't say when things are going good. Just when things are going good, it's when things are not going good. You need to rejoice in the Lord always. Look at somebody again and say always. You may have came in here today and you didn't feel like coming to church and you didn't feel like singing, and you didn't feel like worshiping. Always come to church when you feel like that. Amen? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And that's what they were, they were saying to the children of Israel, but he's saying to us individually in that very first verse, he says, sing barren woman. A barren woman is a woman that cannot have children. You who never bore a child burst into song Shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than her, her who has a husband, says the Lord. God's saying, I know what you're going through. It looks bleak. Nothing's happening. There's no, there's no fruit. There's no production happening. But he's saying, I need you to rejoice in me anyway. I need you to praise me anyway. What I said earlier when we had prayer time, the walls of Jericho fell not before, but after the shout to the Lord. That's when they fell. And then they shouted again. I'm sure they did. But they had to shout before the walls ever come down in Joshua chapter 6 because that's what God said to do. You've got to rejoice and praise God first. A lot of times we're praying and believing God to do things and do miracles and send us blessings. And then we'll say, God, you know what? Then I'll praise you when that happens. And he said, you know what? I want you to praise me right now, even when you don't see it happening. That's, that's the sacrifice of praise. And that's Hebrews 13, verse 15. It says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Everybody say that, sacrifice of praise. The Right, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. When you don't feel like singing, when you don't feel like worshiping because things are not happening in your life like you think they should because you're trying to be the God of your own life, I want you to stop and think about what Jesus did for you at the cross and then start praising him because it's through that kind of a sacrifice. I, if God doesn't do anything else in my life, that's worthy of praise right there. That's worthy of every sacrifice of praise I could ever give him. Here's something else, another little key here that I want to give you about restoring the roar and keeping the roar and why you need to rejoice in the Lord always. There's something that's found in the Old Testament that, that uh, is, is spiritual that in our walk with God. When you praise God, this is what happens. And I want you to start getting a mental picture of this in the spirit when you do it. By the way, before I go to that verse, this morning we were... We were getting ready for church, and, and uh, I told Jada, I told Jay, I was like, honey, I have, I have got fire shut up in my bones this morning about this word. 
I just, I just feel it, and I need to release it. And, and if some of you, if, ever, if you've ever preached and taught, it's, it's way different than getting up and giving a talk at a meeting or whatever. It's, it's because you've got the Word of God inside of you, and you've got to get it out, or you're going to explode. And that's the way I felt this morning. And usually we'll listen to worship, uh, praise and worship, you know, while we're getting ready for church. And, uh, and so this morning, just, and I told her before we left, we'll usually say, Alexa, stop. You know, before we left, I told Les, told Jay, I said, tell Alexa to keep it going, you know, while we're gone. So our house is just being filled with praise right now. And so what I want you to understand is when you praise God in those situations, what, when you're feeling down and dumpy and all those kind of things, you're, you're creating an atmosphere around you for angels and the Holy Spirit to work and for God to work. There's something very spiritual going on when you bring this sacrifice of praise. This is in Second Chronicles 20, verses 21 through 22. It says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying. So he's sending out praise and worshipers ahead of the army. Okay? It says, and they were singing this, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing, listen to this, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy, and they were defeated. That's how powerful your praise is today. If you'll begin to praise and rejoice in the Lord, always you're going to see the enemy defeated in your life. And I want you to have a mental picture of that, that even when I don't see it, I don't feel it, I don't feel like it, God, I'm going to bring the sacrifice of praise. And as I'm doing this, God, you're setting up ambushes against the enemy, the things that he's got planned against me, because no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And he is going to be defeated. And everybody said, amen. And I love what the apostle Paul told the church at Philippi. He said, rejoice in the Lord always, and I'm going to say it again, rejoice. So we got to rejoice and rejoice always. All right, here's number two. Number two, make yourself ready for his blessings and his miracles. Make yourself ready for his blessings and his miracles before they ever show up. Okay? And this is Isaiah 54, verses 2 through 3. He tells them, he says, after you rejoice, he says, now what I want you to do is I want you to enlarge the place of your tent. All right? I don't know if there's anybody here wanting to have a child, but here, here's it. If you're wanting to have another child, are y'all wanting to have another child? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Uh, I, I know if I pointed to, I was going to point a camera, I'm over here and they're both like, oh, no, no, no. We're thank God they're in the back right now. Okay. Is, uh, see, I'm up here as a papa and I'm wanting more, right? And, uh, <laughs> we're going to call those things that are not as though they were. Yeah, yeah we're going to speak it into existence today. But what he was telling, was getting into this, this, uh, this scripture here, right after he tells her to rejoice, then he says, enlarge the place of your tent. That's like if you're believing for a child, God's telling you to go get the baby room ready. If you're believing for a bigger family and you live in a one-bedroom apartment, then he's telling you go go buy a three-bedroom house. Okay, so that's so God's trying to get their faith involved with Him. God chose from the very beginning to work through us, to work through man. He needs your partnership and what He wants to do in your life. You can't just sit back and say, "Well, God, if you do, you do, and if you don't, you don't." You know, and you're in control. No, God's there is a, there's an element of that where God is sovereign in control, but God chose. 
to get involved with you to do whatever he needs to do in your life. He needs your cooperation. He needs your partnership. And so he says, I need you to enlarge the place of your tent. I need you to stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Now, I'm going to get very practical with you today, okay? If you have a situation in your finances that you're believing God for, this is what God says in Luke 6, verse 38. And this is not just finances, this is in every area of life. Whatever you have need of, you've got to give. Instead of sitting around waiting for God to receive, I'm just waiting on God to bless me in, in a miracle. God wants you to get involved. I, I was talking to a person the other day, and they were talking about um, that they were needing friends. And I said, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says if you need friends, it says you need to be friendly first. So if you want to have friends, go be, friend, go be friends with somebody. You know, it's, it takes action upon your part. Faith, if it's if, to be alive, has to have corresponding actions. Faith has to have corresponding actions. So if you're needing a financial miracle, give. Start sowing seed. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaking together to make room for more. Running over and poured in your lap. The amount you will determine, the amount you get back. Need a word from God? Start giving words to other people. Ask God to give you a word for other, and then you'll start receiving words from God. All right, so, so there's this cooperation that we have, we have to have with God. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8. I put this scripture up here because I know this is something that my son-in-law and my daughter, uh, they went to a marriage retreat, and God did something in their hearts because my daughter told me this, is at this marriage retreat for them to get together to start believing together for things in their life the things that they're believing for. But not just to sit back and say, well, God, if you do it, you do it, and if you don't, you don't. No, he said, I need you guys to get actively involved and believe and pray. And I've been sitting back as, you know, daddy and father-in-law and watching this go on in their lives, and I'm seeing God answer prayers and open doors because they're engaged with their faith. And it just, it builds my faith when I see that. And so what the, the God spoke to him is, I need you to start asking, seeking, and knocking. So it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If you're trying to get something, ask. You have not because you ask not. If you're trying to find something, seek it. If, you, if you're trying to have a door open to you, start knocking. All right, that's what this scripture is saying. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. God needs your cooperation. I hope you're getting that. That's how you make yourself ready for blessings and miracles. They don't just show up just because you're just like, well, I'm a child of God and I came to church on Sunday. No, God needs you engaged more than that. All right? He needs you praying. He needs you believing for it. He needs you asking, seeking, and knocking. If you need love, give love. If you need finances, give finances. If you need friends, be a friend. And everybody said? All right. Well, I, I'm hoping I'm going to build some of your faith in here because this really built my faith is there, there are times, and I'm going to use examples from Jesus' ministry, but also other people's ministries that I've read. And there was an evangelist, and I believe he was in the 40s and the 50s, and his, his name was Jack Coe, and he was a healing evangelist. And it, there, I read a story about this man of God, and they said that in one of his uh, meetings that he had five people come forward in wheelchair, five of them, wheelchair. And because after he preached the word of God, he would heal the sick. He would pray for the sick believe for healing. 
God did signs, wonders, and miracles in his, in his ministry. He had five people show up uh, in wheelchairs in front of him. They did have their legs, okay, but they were in wheelchairs. And this is what this man of God told him to do. He said, I want you to, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not praying for you, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you to go do something. And if you will do it and come back here tomorrow night, we're going to believe together and I believe you're going to step up out of that wheelchair. And so they said, tell us what to do. He said, I'm going to tell every one of you to go buy some shoes. Because none of them had shoes on. They were just sitting in wheelchairs. These five listened to him. They left. They went and bought shoes that would fit their feet. They came back the next night for that meeting. They came up, listened to him preach. They came up after the words. He laid hands on all five of them. All five of them got up and walked out. Left their wheelchairs there. But they had to, they had to have, their faith had to have corresponding action. God told them to act upon that. Smith Wigglesworth, listen to this one. This will blow you away. Smith Wigglesworth uh, had a, met with a pastor one day, and this pastor was in a wheelchair, but he had no legs. His legs were cut off at the knee, okay? And then he had proth- uh, prothesis on both legs. And, uh, and so he could walk because um, he had those, the fake legs from his knees down. And he came up, and he... Uh, Heard Smith Willsworth, his faith rose because he heard the word of God, and he knew that this was a man of God that would believe with him. And he came up and he t- told Smith Willsworth that he was believing God to heal his legs. And and I love what Smith does. You know, man, I, I'm like I'm not there yet. Okay, I want to get there. God help me. I need that gift of faith from the Holy Spirit to get there. Smith Willsworth looks down and sees his two fake legs, and he says, "I tell you what, I want you to go." home and buy shoes and then come back tomorrow night and so this guy got offended got hurt got upset left he goes uh this guy just made fun of me and told me to go buy freaking shoes you know and i'm just you know (laughs) and uh he said i was laying in bed that night and getting offended and hurt this sounds like a story about naaman remember the story of naaman when when the, the, the prophet said, go dip in the River Jordan seven times. He's like, I don't, I don't think that's me. Thank God he did and he got healed because he listened to the prophet. And so while he was laying in bed, this pastor, the, the Lord spoke to him and said, you need to do what my servant told you to do. So he said the next morning, he said, I felt like an idiot. I felt dumb. He goes, I'm walking to a shoe store and I, I've got nothing but two dummy legs and two dummy feet. And I come walking in and everybody knew him in this community. And, and knew this was his situation. And he said, and I walked in the store, and there's a young man waiting on me, and he said, what can I do for you, sir? And he said, well, I need shoes. And he looked down at his fake legs, and he said, sir, I don't, we don't have shoes, you know, that, you know, for that. And he said, yeah, I, I need shoes, and I need size 8, and I want them in black. And he said, okay. And he goes back there and gets the shoes. And this, this pastor said, I didn't even, I wasn't, what I was planning on, he said, my faith started, even though I felt like an idiot and I felt like a fool when I was asking this young man, I sat down there and I thought, I'm going to start putting on my shoes. I'm I'm telling you, this is a true story, ladies and gentlemen. He starts putting on his shoes, and there's a, a young man that witnessed this. As he started putting on his first shoe, he had a leg and a foot form right there. Miracle. Within seconds. Didn't take forever to grow out. Seconds. Creative miracle. Put it on. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. 
He's like, wow, see if it'll work again. <laughs> She's got two legs. Put it on the other leg. Boom, same thing happened. Didn't even have to go to that service. Now, he went to that service and, and gave God all the glory, but didn't even have to go to that service that night just because he was obedient to what the Word of God told him to do. So faith with corresponding actions. Is that biblical? And it works every time. Here's the deal. Jesus, because what pleases God the most is your faith. Is your faith. There's, there's all kinds of stories. Those, the few stories that came to my mind as I was, was studying this is Jesus told the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. And the God, he, he told him to do something that he couldn't do. He said, stretch forth your hand. As he did it, he was healed. He also told the, the, the lepers, he said, go show yourself to the priests. They weren't healed right then. They, as they went to go show themselves to the priests, they were healed. Another person was the, the blind man in John chapter 9. That was in Luke chapter 17 about the lepers. In John chapter 9, he said, I need you to go. The man that was had blind, he said, I need you to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And as he went and washed in the pool, then he was healed. Totally healed for his, his eyesight. Now, I'm going to break this down to get it more practical for us today. Because you're like, wow, those are awesome miracles. God can still do that today. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He just needs your faith. Just needs your faith. And sometimes you're going to feel like an idiot. You're going to feel dumb. You're going to, because it's going to go against every grain of your reasoning and, and logic. But if you will step out by faith, if God has truly spoke that to you, and if you will step out by faith, he will meet you there every time. So, Here's what I'm telling every one of us getting practical with this. If you are believing for a new job, don't just sit around and say, God, I'm holding out for a management position. And, you know, and if it shows up, it shows up. And if it don't, it don't. You know, you're sovereign and in control. God's saying, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your resume ready. I want you to start applying for jobs. I want you to start asking, seeking, and knocking. And I'm going to open the right door for you. That's what you got to do. That's believing. That's manifesting miracles, the blessings and miracles of God. If you're believing and praying for a baby, get the baby's room ready, like I said earlier. If you're believing for a change in your life, whether it's your health, uh, finances, relationships, or whatever, what you need to do is you need to lose your current identity. Some of you are identifying with that problem. It is, it's just like that's who you are. That's all you talk about is the problem. That's all you talk about is the issue. And God says, I need you to quit identifying with it and start speaking to it and start roaring over that. Start believing for something better. And everybody said, amen. If you want a better spouse, be better yourself. And then watch your spouse get better. It works. I've tried it. It works. <laughs> Prayed for years. God, get Jada. Just make her better, please, in the name of Jesus. And finally, God got a hold of me one day and said, you know what? And he got through, through to me in the Word, and he showed me a scripture in First Peter that said, man, you know, your, your prayers are being hindered because of how you treat your wife. And if you treat her like a queen, your life's going to get better. And everybody said... That's how that's that's marriage 101 right there. I promise you that'll solve a lot of marriage problems if you just do that. And there and in marriage there's a lot I, walking in forgiveness all the time. There's 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 thing you'll you you know you know somebody that's young in marriage versus older in marriage. There's just some things you just don't even fight about. You know what I'm saying? Just like let it go. It's not worth it. 
because you're going to make a mountain out of molehill, right? Just let it go. And uh, so, <laughs> I don't know how I got off on that, but that's, that's marriage. If you want a better, better marriage, start being the better mate yourself and then watch your marriage improve. That's making yourself ready for blessings and miracles. Now, here's the next thing. Last thing you're going to have to do after I've told you all that. The last thing is, is you're going to have to rest in his promises. Because here's what I've learned about God. He never does it on my timetable. He never, tells, he never does it when I tell him to do it. I'll be believing for something. I'll think, God, that's going to happen by next week. And then five years later, I'm still believing for it. Right? And so, so what you have to do is you have to learn, and this is a learned behavior, but you're going to have to learn in whatever condition you're in to be content. And you're going to have to learn how to rest in his promises. Because his word doesn't return void. In Isaiah 54, verses 4 through 5, he said, Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. And guys, I'm telling you, you're going to have to rest in his promises. And I could tell you all kinds of examples from my own life. I think one of the greatest examples I ever had is when we broke ground out here for our new church. And the ground just set out here forever. It seemed like forever before we was, you know, doing anything out here. And you have people ask, when are you going to build a new church? Well, I wish I knew too, you know, when it's going to go up, you know. And when you give the, you know, the first dollar, it's going to start going up, you know. And having all those things, and then, you know, the enemy comes in. It's not going to happen. You know, God didn't call you. You didn't call you to Leedy. You know, Leedy don't need another church. And then people were confirming that. Leedy don't need another church. And like, well, I'm starting to believe that too. And, you know, and just the lies and everything that the enemy is using to, and uh, just getting discouraged and disappointed because nothing's happening. And finally, one day, I was just like, God, this is going to drive me absolutely nuts if I keep doing this. I got so much anxiety and nervousness, and I feel like a failure and all this. And, and God said, Mark, did I call you the lady? Yes, you did. And I, I can go back and recount the story how you did it. And he said, did I, did I give this land to you out here? Yes, you did. And did I do this? And did, yes, you did. Yes, yes, yes. And he said, then I need, just need you to rest. I need you to keep believing and actively in faith, but I just need you to rest in that. Just rest in my promises. Some of you, you're not resting. You're believing and 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 all those things. You're believing and calling those things that are not as though they were. But on the other flip side of the coin, you're as nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof, right? Because you're like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? God's saying, just rest. For the love of God, just rest. Because you're wearing everybody out around you. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. Okay, So when those thoughts come, you're going to have to take them captive. No, God, no, Satan, I'm resting in God's promise to me. I'm resting. I'm not going to fret over this. I'm not going to worry over this because I'm going to use my faith because worry is sin, but I'm going to use my faith, and I'm just going to rest in God's promises. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. 1 Peter 5.7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's, that's what you've got to do. And you, sometimes you've got to do that daily and moment by moment and all those things just to keep at rest and keep at peace within your soul, within your mind, will, and emotions. And I love how Isaiah 54 verse 17, the last scripture God says no weapon formed against you is going to prevail. It doesn't say that they're not going to be forged. You've you got an enemy, but they're not going to prosper. They're not going to prevail. 
They're not going to, you're going to be an overcomer. God's taking you over. You're not going under, okay? You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath, and he will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication for me, declares the Lord. Amen? So those are the three things that you've got to do to not only restore your roar, but to keep your roar. You're going to have to rejoice in the Lord always, continue to praise and worship him even during the bad times. The second thing that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to um, prepare yourself for blessings and for miracles. When nothing's happening, that's when you're in preparation mode. All right, You're making yourself ready. And the third thing is after you've made yourself ready and you've been believing and worshiping God and your faith is, is activated and you've got corresponding actions, then you just need to rest. Don't worry about it. Just rest in God. Okay? And so what we're going to do is we're going to go out. Um, before I speak a blessing over you this morning, I want everyone to bow your heads in here this morning, first of all, and then we're going to go out with this song, and then I'm going to come up and speak the blessing over you, okay? And I want to make sure that everybody here and those watching online today that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so I'm going to lead you in this prayer of salvation because Romans 10 verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we believe in our heart, then we shall be saved. And so I want to lead you in this prayer. And even if you are saved, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. <clears throat> I believe you are the Son of God. And you died on the cross for me. And rose again on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins. And create a clean heart in me. Renew my spirit so I can hear your voice. I accept you as my Savior. You are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Everybody said amen. All right. We're going to go out. You can sit. You can stand and worship right where you're at. You can sit and worship. But I wanted us to pr play this song, uh, Lion, by Elevation Worship. And we're going to worship to this. And then I'm going to come up and speak a blessing over you. All right. So everybody got their roar restored? Okay. Well, you're going to walk out of here. Roar restored, and you're also going to keep it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's roar.
Prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way. Prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way. Prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way. Prepare the way of the Lord. how you speak to your mountains and your valleys. Oh, valley be raised up and oh, mountains be made low. Amen. So go download that song on your playlist and that'll be your shouting song this week. All right. All right. We're going to speak this blessing over you today. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord give you his peace. May the Lord bless your going out and your coming in today. May the Lord anoint you to fulfill the divine destiny that God has given to you. May everything that is brought against you be crushed by the protection that God himself shall provide. May you be blessed in your health. May you be blessed in your relationships. May your children and your children's children be blessed because they are the heritage of the righteous. From this day forward, as you submit yourselves to the Christ of the cross, may your lives be filled with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory and with peace that surpasses all understanding. May your home, as the word of God says, be as the days of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. And everybody said, Amen. Hug somebody's neck and say, I'm roaring. Roar. <laughs>